Hi, Jill. Hi, Steve. You know what, Jill? I don't know where you were born and where you were brought up. <laughs> did you grow up here in Vancouver? I did, in North Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I um, was born, actually, in a small town um, called Golden. Mm, small I've town, been to Golden. In, yeah, small town in British Columbia, but we left when I was a year old. Mm -hmm. um, actually, my mom left with us, and my dad is from there, and his whole family lives there, and so he stayed. Oh, and okay. um, so we grew up in North Van, but okay. always went back to visit. Mm -hmm. I've been to Golden. I mean, the, the scenery there mm. is just spectacular. Yeah, it's beautiful. Spectacular. Uh, that whole area from Golden to Revelstoke, mm -hmm. the snow, the quantity of snow they get, mm -hmm. the, the Rocky Mountains, the mm -hmm. peaks, the skiing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really spectacular country. Lots and lots of trees everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. And it's nice in the summer, too. Very warm. And it's very warm, hot. Dry and very dry. Dry, dry and yeah. hot. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's spectacular, mm -hmm. spectacular country. Oh, I see. So you grew up in, uh, in North Vancouver. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, gee, but that's kind of tough that I guess, uh, so your mom left and yeah. that was that, so your mom had to bring you up or did she was, she, guess she had support, I guess, or? Yeah, well, my, my mom's whole family lived here. She has, um, six brothers and sisters and mm -hmm. then my grandparents. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were always very close. We mm -hmm. first lived with my grandparents when we moved back mm -hmm. for a year or so. Mm -hmm. Um, and my dad did come down, you know, once a month to visit mm -hmm. us and mm -hmm. we went up there for all the holidays. Mm -hmm. So actually we thought it was really cool because, you know, my dad had a big ranch and we had horses and we had dirt bikes and we got to drive vehicles when we were 12 because he had all this land we could just drive and mm -hmm. so we got to do all these things that none of our friends ever got to do so your dad was a rancher up there well no not really he he actually owned a sawmill for many many years what was the name of the sawmill souls souls okay. lumber all right. limited and um he he just bought a ranch at one point mm -hmm. um was never really a rancher he just bought it mm -hmm. <laughs> just i guess for whatever reason, mm -hmm. um, but had uh, 1,200 acres on mm -hmm. this ranch. So, you know, we would go for walks through the forest and with the creeks running through mm -hmm. and and horses, and so it was really great. Oh, yeah, and especially in the summer. Oh, yeah. To be up there, it must have been. Oh, it's light till 11 at night, mm -hmm. and it's it's just you you don't hear any sounds. No, no, you don't hear any noises, and you see all the stars in the sky. Mm -hmm. And so you went horseback riding too. Yeah, I grew up riding horses. Oh, really? So you do you do you like to ride? I don't, not anymore. I you know I com <laughs> I used to just bug him solid when I was up there because when I was little, I was too young to go by myself, mm -hmm. and I I couldn't saddle the horses up myself. So he always had to come, and he was always so busy working. So I was always bugging him to take me riding. <laughs> and then when I was I don't know maybe thirteen, I went to a camp for a week, a riding camp, and it, it was actually English riding though. Mm-hmm. Where you do some jumping and stuff and um I had always done Western riding with the big horn on the sandal mm -hmm. saddle. Um and then when I was about fourteen, fifteen, I just completely lost interest and I, I think I've been on a horse one time since then. Mm hmm just no no desire anymore. Really? Yeah. You know, that's very interesting. I guess I always try to relate everything back to language learning. But uh, people go through periods mm -hmm. where they like to do certain things and mm -hmm. then they don't like to do certain mm -hmm. things. And, uh, I mean, they often talk, for example, in the case of young kids who play sports, 
You know, it might be a, a girl that's into whatever, basketball or gymnastics, or a boy's into hockey, and some of them burn out. Yeah, and they could be very good. They could be very good, and all of a sudden, the age of 14, they're no longer interested. Yeah. And, and very often the parents, they put so much into, they see their child as this future ballerina or <laughs> yeah. whatever it might NHL be. NHL star. <laughs> NHL star. And the uh, child loses interest. Yeah. And it's the same with language learning. I'm, I confess now that I tried very hard to get my two boys, uh, Mark and Eric, interested in language learning. <laughs> and uh, with uh, you know, no, uh, no real success. <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, Mark, uh, because he played hockey professionally in Europe and then in Japan, he got interested. Mm -hmm. So when he was in Italy and then he was in Austria and in Switzerland and in Japan, wherever he went, he tried to learn the language. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've talked recently on my my blog, thelinguist.blogs.com, about how in our school system we sort of treat everyone in the classroom as if they've all got an equal interest in learning languages. Right. So they all get the same treatment. And they get a treatment that's basically, if they aren't very interested in languages, it's going to discourage them. Mm -hmm. It gives them a lot of seemingly meaningless, meaningless things to do. And it teaches them meaningless things. And, uh, you know, if, they, if it were only possible to, to nurture sort of an interest in language... Mm -hmm with young children and, and somehow allow them the freedom to explore so that they maintain that interest. And at some point, some of those kids, perhaps a larger percentage, will take that interest you know, right to the extent that they're going to learn to be fluent in the language. But we don't do that. We've got to we force, force it. it on we them. force it on mm -hmm. them. And some of them won't continue. Well, so what? So, uh, you know, you were interested in horses and then you were no longer interested in mm -hmm. horses. Big deal. I had One different interests. Yeah, different interests. Yeah. Now, if your father or your mother had said, no, we want Jill to be a horsewoman and she's got to do it, you know, that wouldn't have helped either. No. No. I would never, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And I probably would have been angry and bitter mm -hmm. with them. And, you know, who knows? Maybe. And, and what you have now is you have very pleasant memories. Yes. Of the time that you enjoyed uh, horses. It's not a negative experience. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think education has to be that way. We have to be, there has to be more of an opportunity for, especially for children, but even for adults, to explore and discover mm -hmm. things on their own. Mm -hmm. And the challenge in education is how do we stimulate that interest? How do we make it easier for them to cultivate that interest? Mm -hmm. But we shouldn't be trying to force something at people. Right. And and I think that's where, uh, you know, if, how many people have a pleasant recollection of their language studies in school? Not, you know, I don't know anybody who does, mm -hmm. honestly. In, in Canada, we were always made to learn French. Mm -hmm. The English-speaking population. The English-speaking population were always made to learn French. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it probably varied depending on the school, what grade you started at, but mm -hmm. at a certain point you had to. It was mandatory. Mm -hmm. um, and do you know that I have not spoken to one person who was forced to do that who actually likes French? Mm -hmm. They all hate it. Mm -hmm. They remember very little mm -hmm. uh, aside from the basic hi, my name is, and how are you? Mm -hmm. You know, other than that, they don't remember. Mm -hmm. And French is a beautiful language mm -hmm. and I'm not just saying that because I speak it because I have very negative experience uh, memories mm -hmm. of learning French too I didn't enjoy my time learning it so you didn't enjoy the French immersion school 
I didn't. No. I didn't. It's a bit artificial, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't actually even enjoy my university courses very mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do still believe French is a beautiful language. Mm-hmm. And I do still want to improve and, mm-hmm. and use it. But I think that most people have a negative experience. Mm-hmm. Of course, now you have uh, French on the link system. so Exactly. Hey, you can go to town That's and right. enjoy it. That's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was, I've mentioned this on my blog. I think I, I want to do this experiment. Take some children, maybe six or seven, and have a program in schools which is called Languages. And using a system like Link, allow the children to, to say, look at a map of the world, and say, uh, and on that map will be the languages that are available. In other words, we have, uh, you know, audio books like stories to listen to mm-hmm. or to read, or we have uh, videos, little short videos mm-hmm. in these languages. And and use a system like Link so that they can save words and keep track of the words that they're saving. So they keep a little score and maybe tie it to snakes and ladders or or some little make game, a game, make yeah. a game out of it. And so that all that we ask of them to do is that is that they will in each year explore one or two languages, mm-hmm. listen to it many many times. And <clears throat> the ch- children like listening to the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again. I mean, children say, "Read me that story again." Oh. You know? so, and they'll watch movies a hundred times. A hundred times. So they're ideal. And, of course, if they will listen to the story over and over again and gradually learn the words. And so then one year they might do a Swahili and the next year they might do Spanish and the following year they might do sort of Indonesian. It really doesn't matter, but they're expanding their mind. Mm-hmm. They're expanding their mind. And I think that with a program like that, when they're, say, 15 or 16, they will be better language learners. Mm-hmm. And at that time, if they decide to learn French, they'll learn it or two e- in two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that <clears throat> they don't need 10 years. They'll have learned some of the, the techniques. And they'll have learned some of the techniques. Their brain will be more flexible. Mm-hmm. Their brain will uh, not resist the fact that different languages have different sounds, mm-hmm. have different structures, and so forth. I would like to do that as an experiment. The new approach, so we don't teach French one language, like arbitrarily You have no choice, and this is how it's going to be taught. Exactly. (laughs) Of the thousands of languages in the world, we decide which language you are going to learn. Right. Whereas it should be, there's all kinds of languages out there. Which one do you want to explore? Mm -hmm. And next year you can explore another one. All we ask is that when you do decide to explore one, stay with it. So you have to listen over and over and, and do these other things, for which I think Link is very, mm-hmm. very suitable. Yes. So anyway, that'll be our next project. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, once again, the transcript for this podcast will be available at, and I should say it'll be thelink.com, because mm-hmm. very soon we'll be moving to thelink.com, but also at thelinguist.com. And uh, you can also hear it at englishlink.com. Mm-hmm. And we hope that, uh, that you find the discussion interesting. And with the transcript, you can read and listen and hopefully uh, improve your English at the same time. Thank you very much, Jill. Thank you.